All right. First Thessalonians chapter five. Let's turn there. First Thessalonians chapter five. And we'll read those last few verses of First Thessalonians chapter five. <clears throat> Say this in the word of God. First Thessalonians five, beginning of verse 23. Says this. First Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God. Aren't you glad he's the very God? Amen. If you're not saved this morning, he's the very God you need. You need help this morning? Amen. He's the very God you need. You need guidance? He's the very God you need. Amen. Aren't you glad that you can come to the very God? If you're saved, you know the very God. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, again, we just praise you and worship you and Lord, adore you. And Lord, we love you this morning and thank you for first loving us and showing that love when you died and shed your blood and was buried and rose again the third day. Lord, I pray for everybody that's here. I pray for everybody that's listening. Lord, you know what's going on in lives. Lord, that's one that's not yet saved. Lord, we pray today the Holy Spirit, the Word of God would work in that heart. Boy, it'd be a great day to see somebody come to the very God and be born again through the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, it'd be a terrible thing to hear the Word of God and hear the truth or sit in the house of God and then die and go to hell. But Lord, I'm glad that doesn't have to happen. They can be saved today. And Lord, those that are saved, Lord, whatever might be going on in their life, uh, dear God, they need uh, wisdom. Uh, Lord, a, a job a situation, uh, uh, Lord, uh, just whatever might be going on, God, I pray they would uh, rest in your faithfulness today. So Lord, as we look at this portion of scripture, teach us and guide us and above all, glorify thyself in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as Paul uh, closes out uh, this book of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, a, uh, a, a, a great book, one of my favorite chapters, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is uh, one of my favorite uh, chapters. I call that my philosophy of ministry. Uh, you know, people say, well, what's your philosophy of ministry? I say, well, turn to 1 Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 2. You'll find it. You know, Paul says, our entrance unto you was not in vain. And then he talks about how he went in there and he was like a father. He was like a nurse and talked about how he interacted with the people. And I said, man, if you'll just go to people uh, like Paul did in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, then you know what? Your time there won't be in vain. <laughs> Amen. People will get help and you'll get blessed. But as Paul closes out this epistle, he does it with uh, some finishing touches of exhortation, right? That's a preacher's job to exhort the people to stay close to God, and words of compassion. Well, I pray whenever we share the Word of God or preach the Word of God, when we're giving that maybe exhortation to be saved or exhortation, whatever it is, that we also do it with compassion. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. And so I think here he tells them, to, uh, I got this up, pay attention to some things. And first thing he tells them to do is pay attention. And I want to say this, pay attention to yourself. <laughs> you know, we like to pay attention to everybody else, don't we? <laughs> we like to know what's going on and pick out what's going on in other people's lives, right? But you know what? We need to pay attention to ourself. And it says 
uh, this again, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole, here it is, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I pray, I pray. You know, a great way to pray for people, say, well, I don't want to know how to pray for them. Well, here's one thing, you can pray like Paul prayed. A great way to pray for people is for the Lord to keep them in every, every area of their being. Pray for them, amen, that the Lord to keep them in every area of their being. Great way to pray for your children, great way to pray for your grandchildren, pray for those you love, is for the Lord to keep them in every area of their being from sin. This is Paul saying. Hey, I'd like to know how to pray for them. But one area you can pray is pray, that, pray, amen, the Lord will keep them from sin. We're supposed to pray that ourselves. Lord, lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. We pray that for ourselves. Well, hey, I want to pray that for myself, but I'd sure like to ask some other people praying that for me as well. And so we certainly need to pray. You know, we think I've been talking a lot about our young people. We certainly need to pray that for our young people. Amen. That every part of their being, as is mentioned here, they'd be kept from sin. And he calls him the God of peace. Look at this, the very God of peace. You know, sometimes it seems we focus more on the three that are against us than the three that are for us, right? You know, you know, because the devil likes to keep our mind on the negative. So sometimes we get all focused on the three that are against us instead of rejoicing and resting in the three that are forced. What do I mean for that? Well, what are the three that are against us? You know, the devil, the flesh, and the world. Those are the three that are against us. It seems like we give them all the credit, and we spend a lot of time talking about the three that are against us. But hey, you know what? I'm excited about the three that are for us. Hey, why would I worry about the, the, the devil, the flesh, and the world, those three being against me, when I've got three that are for me? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen? The very God, the very triune God, he's for me. And boy, those three that are for me are a lot better than the three that are against me. And they're a lot more powerful, right? Greater is he that is in me than he uh, that is in the world, right? He's greater. And so he says, the very God. And so notice he mentions spirit, soul, body. We must remember and keep in mind that Christ died for the whole of man. He died for the whole of man, right? And he wants each part to be Holy. He talks about the soul, right? It was our soul that was lost. And uh, uh, we might think about this when we think about the soul. That's the real you that embraces the intellect, the emotions, the will, right? The inner knowledge of uh, right and wrong. And then, uh, of course, uh, there's the spirit, right? The soul was lost. The spirit was dead. And, of course, the spirit once quickened at salvation, right, makes us conscious, uh, uh, more conscious of God. We can have that relationship with God. Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself, talking about the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, how do I know I'm saved? Well, I know I've done what the, what the Word of God uh, told me to do, right? But also, every day, Amen. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit, right? I have that relationship that, right, that uh, I am a child of God. And so the Holy Spirit through our spirit gives us understanding to the intellect and helps us control, right? Uh, uh, it begins, it can control us now and help us with our emotion, help us uh, and guide our will to do the right thing. And of course, the, the body, we live out these things through our body in the human environment. But he says, I pray that you be preserved, that these three heirs of you be preserved. 
The word preserved means maintained, right, in this state. In what state does he want our soul, body, and spirit to be maintained? Of being blameless, of being blameless. Again, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. That word blameless means without blemish, spotless, free from faultiness. It means that nothing is amiss, right, in our life. Well, you think about uh, the sacrifice, right? The lamb, when they brought the sacrifice in the Old Testament, just think about the Old Testament for a moment, when it used that, that word of being, that thought of being spotless and blameless, it meant that there was nothing amiss in a sacrifice that would render it unworthy to be used as a sacrifice. Luke twenty two twenty one says this, talking about the sacrifice, and whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord to accomplish his vow or a free will offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. And of course, that's a picture and type of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what our Savior was. He was the lamb without blemish. When he went to the cross, he went as a holy God. He went as the holy and uh, a spotless lamb of God, and he went as a holy man. Hebrews 9, 14 says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, right? Without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 1 Peter 1.19 says this, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 2.22, talking about Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So when it talks about our Savior, no guile was found in his mouth. It says he was a lamb without blemish, without spot. Right? Again, he offered himself without spot to God. And so this is our Savior. This is how he lived. This is how he died on the cross for us. And uh, as he uh, walked this earth, now that we're saved, that is what God desires for us. He desires us to live the same way. 2 Peter 3.14 says this, Wherefore, beloved, seeing ye look for such things, be diligent. Be diligent. And right when you're diligent about something, you're making a serious, conscious effort about it. And it takes, right, if you're going to live the life that God wants you to live, it requires a serious, conscious effort, right? Nobody becomes a strong Christian or no, nobody becomes spiritual or nobody matures, right, automatically. It's that every day living that conscious Christian life that God would have us to live. It says that be diligent that you may be found in him in peace. Well, why not? He's the God of peace. And look at this, without spot and blameless. Christ wants us pure in action. Christ wants us pure in attitude. First Peter 2.21 says this, For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Boy, here's a word that's taken out of uh, context, right? Uh, it says here, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. People take that thought of following Christ's example. Many take the example of his life, and what do they do? They turn it into a religion. They take the example of it, and that's what most of Christianity is. They've taken the example of his life, and they've taken it and turned it into a religion, Right, And they think that salvation comes from following the example of his life. 
Really, that's where the thought of WWJD, that really didn't come uh, uh, of save people. It came from, hey, you need to go out there and think, what would Jesus do, right? That'll make you a better person, right? Uh, that'll get you closer to God. Hey, that'll help you on your way to heaven. When you come to a situation, just think about what Jesus would do. Well, hey, listen, there's no use thinking about Jesus, what Jesus would do do you know what, he, what he's did, right? Because that's what salvation is. Salvation is not about what Jesus would do. Salvation is about what Jesus did. And until you understand what he did and put your trust in what he did, then really uh, uh, what he would do, amen, it might keep you out of trouble for a moment, but it's not going to do anything in your relationship with him. His example, right, is there to show us what is possible after we're saved. That's what it's about. Now, once you're saved, now you can think about what Jesus would do. Hey, now that I believed in what he did, now I want to know what he would do because I want to live like he lived. Amen. I want to live a holy life. I want to live a spotless life. I want to live that blameless life. Amen. I want to be an example of my Savior. You see, Christ saved us so we could be and would be holy in position, which we are the moment we get saved. We're holy in position. But now he also wants us to be holy in practice. We've already got the position, right? Uh, it's funny. Uh, I, uh, this word talks about being sanctified. Somebody called, a, uh, called me from Colorado yesterday, and they were reading a verse about sanctification. And they said, oh, I don't understand. This is sanctification. I thought we were sanctified. Or how does this work? I said, well, we are sanctified. Right? Hey, the moment we got saved, we got sanctified. We got set apart for time and eternity. Right? But positionally. But now we need to be sanctified practically. Right? What do we mean by progressive sanctification? That means it, we, 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 it's all there. Right? We just need to have it, let it have control of our life and live it out in each, each area of our life. So Christ saved us so we could be holy in position and in practice, right, on a daily basis basis. Here's, here's a verse for you. I talked about a moment ago. I mentioned 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me give you verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 10 says this. Ye are witnesses. Paul talked about how he conducted himself when he was there. He says, you're witnesses and God also, and look at what he says, you know, holily and justly and unblamably. Now, what's he praying here for them? He's praying that your spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless. And he already told them, hey, listen, that's how we lived when we were among you. We, the way I'm praying that you will live is the way that I lived when I was there. And notice what he says. Go ahead and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And look at this again. He says, your witnesses and God also. Boy, that's wonderful that you can have that testimony, Right? that you go and spend time with somebody and, hey, hey, just do me a favor. Go back and remember how I conducted myself in front of you. That means you didn't do nothing while you were there that you need to be ashamed of. That means you lived the way you were supposed to live and you were an example. And for, that's good that you can have that testimony and say, hey, remember how I was when I was there? How we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Hallie, holy, justly, and unblamably, we behaved ourselves. Now, look at that statement. We behaved ourselves. Well, talking about his behavior. You know what? Your behavior is a choice. How you behave on a daily basis is a choice. You choose to behave however it is you behave on a daily basis. 
And Paul said, you know how I choose to behave myself? I choose to behave myself holy and justly and unblamely. And now Paul says to them, and you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that you will choose to behave yourself holy and justly and unblamely in every area of your life. My prayer for you is that you would make that conscious decision on a daily basis to live this way like I lived on a daily basis when I was before you. You see, we behave. Again, your behavior is a choice. This is the way we chose to live among you, and we pray that this is the way you will choose to live. And it says, uh, uh, your soul and body, uh, your spirit, soul, and body. Body's the big one. Boy, we, we forget about that. You know, most people think this living for God is just a, a spiritual thing. It is. You know, well, God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward appearance. That's right. And so God, man is watching your outward appearance, right, <laughs> every day. He's watching your daily action every day. That's why we have that saying. You may be the only Bible people ever read. That's why we have that saying, right? And it says body. I want to say this about the body. It seems as if the devil is attacking the body of man like never before. In the news, what are we always hearing about? We're always hearing about the body, Right? It's my body, it's my choice. Isn't that funny how the Bible says God wants us to live holy in, in our soul, spirit, and body? And boy, the body is a big thing. Everybody's arguing about the body today. You hear that say, it's my body, it's my choice. If I want to have an abortion, it's my body. If I want to change my body from one sex to another, it's my body. If I want my body to be with whoever I want to choose, it's my body. But really... It's not a body issue. They might be talking about the body, but abortion is not a body issue. All these uh, uh, things, people talking about gender, everything, it's not a body issue. It's all a spiritual issue. That's what it is. It's a spiritual issue, and that's why things change when you get saved. That's why desires change when you get saved. People say, well, I was born this way. Well, that's why you got to be born again. Well, you know, I was born a bad way too, right? And so we need to realize that the Bible, that's why the Bible says this, things change once you get saved. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning of verse 17, right? But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. That's why it says flee fornication. Every sin, I think this is an interesting verse. Notice what it says. Verse 18, right? Not Again, not all sins are the same. People say, well, you know, you sin. Nobody's perfect. Sin, sin, right? Well, I say it again. All sin is the same that it's against God, but not, not all sin is the same in its depravity. That's why some are called an abomination. That's why some are judged uh, worse even upon the earth. So it says this, every sin that man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication, we might say in any other sexual sin, sinneth against his own body. Now, why does it make that distinction? There's something. There's something to be said about those types of sins. He says he sins against his own body. But thank God if you're saved, verse 19, but know you, what? Know ye not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have God, and you're not your own. Hey, you know what? I can't say. They might be out there saying it's my body, but once you're saved, you know what? It's not my body anymore. I don't get to choose. 
right? It's his body now. If you are saved, it's his body. It says, verse 20, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, right? Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. My soul belongs to him. My spirit belongs to him. My body belongs to him. And that's why it matters, right, as a believer, what I do with my body because it belongs to him. And I say that a lot about, uh, I make that statement a lot about uh, uh, serving the Lord. People say, well, why are you doing that? Why'd you make that decision? I say, well, because I felt like it was the Lord's will. And I always, I make this statement, the Lord has a right to do what he wants with that which is his. The Lord has a right to do what he wants with that which is his. <laughs> I belong to him. He, he, he owns me, what, lock, sock, and barrel, or soul, spirit, and body, right? He owns me. And so whatever he wants, by the grace of God, he gets because he has a right to do what he wants with that which is his. So whatever his will is, I want to do it because he's the decision maker, because it's his. He can do what he wants. He purchased, he purchased it. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, right? After that, ye have suffered a while, right? After that, ye have suffered a while, right? Make you perfect, right? Establish you, strengthen you, right? And settle you. Here, here's a good verse talking about uh, uh, the, Lord, the Lord working. Look at this. Look at that verse, 1 Peter 5, 10. 1 Peter 5, 10. Hold on. I skipped the page. I'm going to go back right now. Actually, where I want you to go right now, right? I want you to go to Revelation 14. Let me back up a minute. Because I want to, I want to give an example of, right? The Bible, we're talking about in our body, but the Bible gives, it gives us an example in Revelation 14 of people that are, are uh, a, a sort of a little outline of those that are blameless. Look at Revelation 14. Let me back up here for a second. Go there and read verses one through five. Say this, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mount of Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, this is the true hundred forty-four thousand, right? Not the false hundred forty-four thousand that knock on your door. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Oh, that's not a Christmas song, is it? And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Look at this. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which followed the lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the lamb. And notice what it says about these. And in their mouth was found no gal, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Notice that statement, without fault. That means without spot, right? Without blemish. That means it's the same word, blameless. These 144,000 were blameless before the throne of God. And what does it say about them? If you read through these verses, it says, one, how can you be blameless before God? Well, one, it says they were redeemed, 
right? That's the first step in being blameless before God, right? Your soul, spirit, and body, right? So their soul was blameless before God. They were redeemed. Second, in their mouth was no guile. That says something about the way somebody talks says something about their heart. It says something about their attitude, right? So there was no guile in their mouth. And look at this one. This is a big one. I like this one. Notice what it says. They follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. <laughs> well, that's how you want, to stay, you want to stay blameless before God? Well, then stay with God wherever he goes. Hey, where's the lamb going? Sort of like uh, uh, you remember uh, Elijah, right? When he chose Elijah, right, to be his successor, right? And Elijah comes up to him. I, I think it's at 1 Kings or 2 Kings 18 or whatever it is. And, and Elijah comes up and says, hey, I'm going down to Gilgal. And Elijah says, hey, we're, we're, as the Lord liveth, my soul liveth. If that's where you're going, I'm going. And then, uh, then, then Elijah says, hey, I, I'm going down to Jericho. And Elijah says, hey, well, if that's where you're going, then that's where I'm going. Then Elijah says, hey, I'm going down here. And he says, well, if that's going, you see, wherever Elisha went, that's where Elisha went. He says, I'm sticking to it. And that's how we're supposed to be with the Lord. Whithersoever the lamb goeth, hey, wherever the Lord is, that's where I want to be. Wherever the Lord leads, that's where I want to go, right? So they follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. You see, they went where he wanted to go. Let me make this statement. They did not drag him where they wanted to go. Let me say that again. They went where he wanted to go. They didn't drag him where they wanted to go. Remember, if you're saved, wherever you go, you take Jesus. So do you want Jesus to follow you where you're going? Or would you rather follow him where he's going in life? I'd rather follow Jesus. I'd rather follow Jesus. And look at this. They were not defiled. Makes that statement, right? Right? They were not defiled with women. They were not defiled. They controlled their body. They controlled their body. You see, their body, soul, and spirit were yielded to the Lord. You see that example. They, they, were, they were faultless before God. How? They were redeemed. Right? Their heart and, and attitude was right. There was no guile found in their mouth. They followed the lamb wherever he went. Their body was not defiled. You see? What is a good example of being blameless before the Lord. And that's how the Lord wants us to be even in this life. So, one, pay attention to yourself. Secondly, I got six minutes to get through five more points, right? Second, pay attention to God's faithfulness. That's what I wanted to get to. Again, look at verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And that's the thing. What? God wants me to be blameless? I can't do it. Bingo. You can't. But he can do it. And he wants to do it through you. Let me give you a verse. Jude 24 says, Now unto him that is able. See, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. I can't do it. Boy, that's a great thing to admit. Verse 24 says, that's okay, he's able. Right? Uh, Jude 24 says he's able. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says he will. Amen? It's one thing if somebody's able to do something. It's another thing if they will do it. Right? I mean, there's people, they're, a lot of, they're able to do a lot of things, but not many people do it. God's able and he will. He's able to keep you from falling. And here it is, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You see, he has called you unto himself and what he desires for us, he will perform in us and through us. Now, 1 Peter 5.10 says this, but the God of all grace, which has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you. Who's doing this? Him. He'll make you what? Perfect. 
He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. He'll settle you. Perfect means to put you in your proper condition. Listen, I was born in this world and I was not in my proper condition. Amen. (laughs) You know what? I'm glad that God loves me enough to save me and put me in my proper condition and then establish you to fix firmly, strengthen you, to give you the strength you need and settle to make you ground. I'm glad I have a God that saved me and cleaned me up. He wants to put me in my proper condition. Amen. He put me in himself. He wants to fix me firmly. He wants to give me the strength I need to overcome the battles of this life. Amen. And he wants to keep me grounded. In other words, he works to help us live that blameless life that he desires us to live. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You could park there a while, as they say. He will do it. So one, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to the faithfulness of God. Then three, pay attention to others' needs. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Paul says this. He start off by saying, I'm praying for you. But then he says this. Hey, I'm praying for you. But you know what? I'd appreciate it if you'd pray for me too. Never be too proud to ask for prayer. Never be too proud to ask for prayer. I thought about this. Let me, let me give you this. I, I, as I was writing this, this thought came to my, my mind and it helped me. Prayer is a great way to participate in people's lives. Well, you know, you want to be a, 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 you say, you know, hey, you know, I've been trying to talk to that person. That person doesn't seem like they're easy to get close, whatever. You know what? You want to participate? You want to show you're serious about participating in somebody's life? Pray for them. Pray for them. Prayer is a great way to participate in people's lives. When you pray for people, you are participating in what God will do in answer to those prayers. Isn't that, a, isn't that a wonderful thing? And then we're like, hey, I, I, can't, I can't follow everybody here around all week, but you know what? I can pray for you all week. And so maybe I can't, maybe, maybe I can't part, you know, I, Lester, I wonder if he, I'm going to go see Lester. He's going to have on the stethoscope or he's going to have the hammer in his hand. I don't know where Lester's going to be today. Stethoscope, hammer, who knows with Lester, right? Hey, I can't part. Well, if he's got the stethoscope on, right, I, I can't participate in that. I'm not smart enough. If he's got the hammer, I don't want to participate in that. I might hit my thumb. Right. So, hey, well, how can I participate? Well, I can pray for him. That's a good way to participate in Lester's life. I can pray for him. That's a wonderful thing that we can participate in each one of his lives throughout the week through prayer. And then here's the other part when you pray for him. But you know what? When you ask people to pray for you, Paul says, hey, I'm not in Thessalonica. Listen, I don't know when I'm going to make it back, but you know what? I'm going to be doing some traveling and I'm going to be going. I'm going to preach in here and I'm going to preach in there. And though you can't get on the plane with me or or, uh, get in the mule cart with me or take the train or however it was he traveled, but you can still participate in my life. Would you participate in my life? I would appreciate it if you would participate in my life. Well, how can I participate in your life? You're you're going over there. You can pray for me. Think about that. We, every time we pray for our missionaries, we're participating in their ministry. We always think about just participating financially, but when we pray for them, we're participating in their life. We're participating in their ministry. So I'm glad I can say, hey, pray for me. Boy, I'd sure appreciate it if you'd participate in my life. And a way that you can do that is to pray for me. That would be a great blessing to me. And I can participate in your life by praying for you. What a wonderful thought and truth that is. So pay attention to others' needs and then pay attention to uh, one another. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't kiss one person that came in today. 
I gave my wife a hug, but that's about, that's about where it's stopping, amen? You know, but I know it says the brother. So I know back then, the man, you know, all that stuff. And they, I know they still do that in Eastern Europe. Boy, that was rough, man, to get, get used to that, you know. Uh, hey, hey, brother, here comes Igor. Get ready. Oh, hi, Igor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks, Igor. You can go back now. Amen. Oh, yes, 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 yes. In Russia, they kiss on the lips. Huh? Igor, you didn't shave. Well, so, well you know, you didn't shave, Igor. Right? But at least in the other places, they kiss on the lips. But still, uh, I'm just not that way. But hey, amen. It was holy. Uh, so it was good enough. Right? But, but let me move on from that. But though we may not greet this way, there should not be anyone we can't greet with a smile and show a concern for. So, hey, uh, listen, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, I, I'm not that spiritual yet, so don't expect a kiss from me, uh, guys. Sorry, I'm not that spiritual yet. I'm working on it. But I tell you what, I can greet you with a smile, and I can greet you with a concern for your life. And that's, amen, we can at least greet each other that way, and I pray that we do it when we come together. And quickly moving along, pay attention to the book. He says, verse uh, 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Pay attention to the book. God's preacher will always want you to know the book. Sin sometimes keeps, uh, right? Uh, sin and sometimes just a busy life will try to keep you from reading the book. But as Grandpa always said, stay in the book. A good verse to memorize, a good verse to have highlighted is Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. When it comes to the Word of God, we need to read it, we need to hear it, and we need to keep it. Amen? We need to pay attention to the book and make sure we're reading it, make sure we're hearing it, and make sure we're keeping it. Then he finishes with this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Boy, he ends like he started. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, how did he start this epistle? Well, verse 1 says this, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonian, which is God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing he says is, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So he started with grace. Well, you know, grace is a great way to start an epistle. Grace is a great way to end an epistle. But it's also a great way to start a Christian life. And that's how it started. It's also a great way to end the Christian life. Boy, that's what great, uh, grace does. What does the song say? Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. Hey, why are you sitting here today? You've been saved however long. Why are you sitting there? Grace. How did you, hey, listen, you look back, man, you look back over that life and this happened and that happened. And why are you still here? Grace. Grace has brought you safe thus far. Hey, I got some news. Hey, Sister Barnett. Grace has brought you safe thus far. Grace will lead you home. Amen. Grace will lead you home, whatever it is. Isn't that good? Grace. Brother John, grace. Why are you and your wife sitting there today? Grace has brought you safe thus far. Amen. Grace. He was complaining about his knees. I said, man, you better take care of yourself. You're going to get old one day. But they're sitting here. Grace has put you where you are today. And grace will lead you home. Boy, as we, as we look at these verses, finish up, he says, hey, just before I close out, let me give you some advice. Pay attention to yourself. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to use you. But you know what? He wants to use a clean vessel. He wants you to be blameless in soul and spirit, yes, and even body. It matters 
what you do with your body. So the world might be out there crying and say, it's my body. Well, hey, I want to cry back to the world. Well, mine's not. My body's not mine. You see, one day I got saved. Amen. I got washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he purchased me with his blood. Now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. And he owns me, and he has a right to do what he wants with that which is his. So whatever his will is, that's all I care about. He has a right to do with that which is his. I belong to him. So pay attention to your body. Pay attention to his faithfulness. Boy, you know, those three that are against us are going to come and say, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. Yes, and those three that are for you, they're going to say, that's right, but I can, but I can, but we can. God the Father, God the Son. Forget about those three that are against you. Amen. Rest in the faithfulness of the three that are for you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to that. Amen. And pray atten- pay attention to the needs of others. Say, man, hey, that's a, that'd be a great way to, great way. Hey, somebody you've been trying to witness to, maybe try this. Walk up to them this week and say, hey, listen, you know what? I'd like to participate in your life. What? What are you talking about? Well, hey, I, you know, I can't follow you around. Here's one way I can participate in your life if you'll let me. I can pray for you. Can you tell me about some needs you have in your life? That's a way I'd like, I'd like, I can participate in your life through prayer. Let's participate in one another's lives through prayer. And brethren, amen, greet one another, right? Okay. Now, Brother Wood, don't go up and kiss Ben after this service. Please, I just no, don't do that. But go up and amen. Say, Brother, I greet you with a smile, and I'm concerned about you. Amen. Ben appreciates that word of advice. Amen. And stay in the book. Pay attention to the book. Amen. And whatever happens, grace will lead you home. Let's pray.